The passion and beauty and joy of science is that we humans have invented a process to understand the universe in a way that is true for everyone. We are finding universal truths. Throughout history, whenever great injustices existed, youth movements have risen up to combat and end those injustices. You have organizations out there like the Center for Bioethical Reform. The Center for Bioethical Reform. Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform. Organizations like the Center for Bioethical Reform to receive public funds when they then use to attack a woman's right to choose. Abortion kills all kinds of people, so then all kinds of people can join the pro-life movement to save these babies. I was talking to a young man on the streets of Toronto. I spoke with a woman named Lucy about abortion. Today we were doing choice chain in downtown Regina. By the end of the conversation, she was completely pro-life. He then walked away 100% pro-life. Completely pro-life. We should remember that each of those babies that die every day in Canada not only have the right to life that's being violated, they also have the right to our defense. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Pro-Life Guys. My name is Peter. That's Cam. Cam, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Peter. Good to be back. I am in a maelstrom of emotions right now. My interns are done. I had an incredible summer with them. Michael in Vancouver, Danae in Thunder Bay, Olivia, somewhere in the state of Georgia. I don't actually know where. Um, she's a real person. I've worked with her twice now. Um, yeah, so they wrapped up this past Friday a bit mixed emotions i'm looking forward to working with them all in the future but it's good to be back on the air with you my friend yeah it's always sad at the end of every internship when you've spent a significant amount of time fighting abortion with some of the best people uh, that we know and then they they leave they go back home we don't uh, chat with them every day anymore so it's always sad but there's always new internships there's new crash courses there's new programs that are coming up so god willing uh we'll have a new wonderful team soon again well cam i opened this episode with a quote by Bill Nye. Uh, Bill Nye, the science guy, as many know him. And, and in this quote, he highlighted the importance of the scientific method. What, what do you think about this quote, Cam, coming from Mr. Nye? I mean, I love the quote. I, I love this idea of a repeatable process so that we can come back time and time again to a universal truth. I think that's what biology is all about. I think that's in, in a lot of ways what science is all about. Obviously, we need to temper this so that science doesn't become our god, obviously, that there are things that we can know that we don't necessarily know through the scientific process. But I, I think that in its, in its form, it, it's good. And yet, the way that Bill Nye uses it and the way that the, the Bill Nye character has evolved in some ways, the irony of, of using the, the evolution around Bill Nye um, is potent. And yet Bill Nye using this, I find really, really difficult, especially with all of the new political jargon stuff that he's coming out with more and more. It breaks my heart. Honestly, I, I grew up with Bill Nye. I don't know if you grew up with Bill Nye, but like we were the kids that, that didn't watch any of the like fun shows that no i mean they were fun never mind i mean we we didn't get to watch any of the like somewhat mindless shows of teletubbies or barney or anything like that when we got home from kindergarten or grade one or whatever we we plugged into bill nye the science guy cratch creatures and magic school bus like these three fairly science heavy shows and i love bill nye i mean the dude with the the bow tie the blue the powder blue um lab coat um I still think of that intro, Bill, 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 Bill Nye, the science guy, um, coming in every day, every day when I got home from school. It was great. 
and I still remember some of some of the talks that he gave. I, I remember him hanging upside down from the ceiling, eating grapes and talking about peristalsis, all that kind of stuff. The, the guy was a legend when I was growing up, which is why it breaks my heart so badly that the dude has gone completely off the rails when it comes to anything about finding universal truths or objective information or anything like that. Like the, Unfortunately, it just seems like he's found the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and just realized that there's a huge cash cow to just parrot whatever it is that the progressive left or whatever you want to call them are peddling at any given time. And that he's kind of abandoned this, this appreciation for science, which really is sad. I mean, especially because there's probably going to be a whole bunch of people in our generation that start playing these episodes for their kids. And when they start showing the new content that he's coming out with, it's going to, it's going to absolutely confuse anyone listening to them because you're going to hear one thing from his, his classic tracks, and then you're going to hear a completely different thing from his new stuff. And so I'm glad that we're tackling this episode, this nonsense that he's spewed in, in a couple of interviews, um, but it does hurt my heart that he has gone so far off the tracks. Yeah, I, I certainly resonate with that. It certainly is sad, especially when it comes to the topic that we're going to be talking about today. As you know, we're the pro-life guys. We tackle, yeah, arguments. Uh, against the pro-life position, justifications for abortion, and all of that. And we discovered this video on YouTube titled, Bill Nye, Can We Stop Telling Women What to Do With Their Bodies? And it was released by the YouTube channel Big Think. And you'd think with a channel name of Big Think and, and with, uh, you know, our, our one, of the, one of the favorite scientists out there, Bill Nye, the science guy, that you get some pretty good content. However, we were... Pretty disappointed by what we heard. Um, not only did a lot of the things that we hear, not only were a lot of the things that we heard quite scientifically inaccurate, um, but a lot of fallacies and all of that. So what we're going to be doing today is playing clips from this video. Uh, we're not we're not picking and choosing. We're going to play the entire video um, and, and cut it up and respond to it so that we can have an understanding of what the what what the issues are with some of the argumentation that he's uh, presenting and how we can respond to those arguments in rational and effective ways. So, Cam, you know, we, we, we don't really want to fight, fight with Bill Nye when he's not here. You know what I'm saying? We, we don't want to pick a fight with someone. Um, you know, he releases content publicly. We're going to release his content, but we don't want to just put jabs at, at him, you know, in, in the comfort of our own studio. So why are we doing this episode? Why are we, we responding to this video that he put out? I think it's a good question. I think that we need to recognize that not only is Bill Nye an incredibly influential figure, that, that like legitimately there's going to be a lot of people who go online to try to find answers and come to him and refer to him as an authoritative figure. And so I, I think it's important that we dispel some of the nonsense that that is brought up in this video in particular. I mean, when you consider the fact that over 1.5 million views already on the video, it's something obviously that people are consuming. Um, but not only that, but because a lot of the stuff that he talks about are things that we hear on the street. Things that, that come up while we're doing our choice chains on street corners um, or talking to people on their doorsteps across the country. We hear a lot of this stuff day after day. And I think it's important that we really address it head on 
um, that we're not kind of enamored by the personality of Bill Nye and how much he can influence society. We need to try to address them head on um, and help people understand that that there are very, very easy ways to navigate the different points that Bill Nye brings up and, and the different points that you may hear parroted by different people across the country. Yeah, that's right. So let's let's start the video. As I mentioned, we're going to be playing the entire video, stopping at various points to respond to some of the things that he says. So, Kim, cue the video, my friend. Many, 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 many more hundreds of eggs are fertilized than become humans. Eggs get fertilized, and by that I mean sperm get accepted by ova a lot. But that's not all you need. You have to attach to the uterine wall, the inside of the of a, a womb, a woman's womb. All right, Cam, you're the biologist in the house. What's your reaction when you hear someone say something like, many more hundreds of eggs get fertilized than become human? I mean, the knee-jerk reaction is, is just, okay, th this is off to a bad start. We, we are not even starting on the right track. We are off to a bad start because, as we talked about in episode two, human life biologically begins at the moment of fertilization. This is not something that requires any further process to, to happen before you're fully human or anything like that. As we talked about over um, 5,500, I believe, of the biologists interviewed and questioned, making up more than 96% of those interviewed, um, agreed that human life begins at fertilization. This is something that is basically universally accepted, thankfully, through that um, scientific method that, that they were able to come to repeatedly over and over and over again. And so we're off to a bad start. But I don't think that it's as bad as it could be, right? That, that we have some people who say... Um, they're, they're not human yet because they're not quite done the process. And, and there's some people who will suggest that they're not human until they're born, right? We, we hear that in conversation fairly frequently. And, and we can often kind of trace the humanity back that, okay, you don't, you don't pop into existence as a nine-month-old human fetus. You can trace that human's life back further and further and further towards fertilization, all the way back to fertilization. But it's not as bad as it could be, but it's still not perfect, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, it certainly isn't perfect. As you mentioned, you know, earlier in the program, we're expecting someone of, of the, the influence that Bill Nye has and the, the scientific reputation to have a little bit more understanding of the biology of human life. But one thing I find interesting is he says that, so fertilization isn't the only necess necessary thing to become human, um, which we completely disagree with, but he said implantation is necessary uh, for that process. So we would say that implantation in the womb is necessary, but Cam, like, is that process necessary to become human? Um, or how would you respond to that? No, I, I, I think it's a good point. And, and yes, it, it is a necessary stage in development sort of thing, kind of like birth, right? That, that at some point, this is going to have to happen. And if it doesn't happen, that child is likely going to die. And I think that it's important to recognize that, yes, that once fertilization occurs, you have a human being there. And there are many times, unfortunately, that that child does not implant. And tragically, without implantation, that child will die. That, that child will be miscarried by the mother, something that is um, known by many as a very, very tragic, very, very emotionally devastating event. And, and I mean, sometimes the mother doesn't even know, sometimes miscarriages are known because it happens after implantation, that sort of thing, implantation generally happening um, in the first couple of days after fertilization. 
So it's bad science suggesting that they're not human until implantation occurs. It's bad science to suggest that that's necessary to become a human being. It's no more necessary than, like I said, a, a process like birth is necessary to become a human being. That's just a, a natural stage. It's going to happen. If it doesn't happen, I mean, you consider what would happen to a child if if they weren't delivered. I mean, it'd be excruciating pain, excruciatingly painful for the mother. And if it was allowed to continue, then that child tragically would probably die. Um, and so this this is not biologically relevant for whether or not they're human, but we see it more and more in conversation. I don't know if you've seen it, Peter, but I've had many people come up to me and, and try to misconstrue the term conception. Term conception for a long time has been the preferred language of, especially those coming from a religious perspective. I don't know exactly why, but I, I've seen time and time again, people trying to change the definition of conception to implantation, to mean the same thing as implantation, so as to um, nullify any wrongdoing prior to implantation. And we're going to do an episode coming up here at some point about um, hormonal birth control and things like the morning after pill and how they they try to redefine conception to implantation to excuse um, abortifacient um, technologies like that that will um, harm the child or prevent implantation in hopes of getting um, pro-lifers around on the idea that that they weren't a human being yet. But I think that we absolutely need to be be steadfast in the acknowledgement of the definition of fertilization, the definition of when a human life begins is at that moment of fertilization, often happening somewhere in the fallopian tube before it moves further down and implants into the uterine wall. Yeah, when, when I think about Bill Nye mentioning this, what we see throughout the video, uh, and you're going to see this as well when you're listening to this, that uh, his standards change. But if his standards stayed the same, he would be a pretty pro-life person, you would say, if he would say, okay, human life begins upon implantation, and then the, the consistent view of having human rights for all human beings uh, to protect each and every human being after implantation. If only that's the position he was taking uh, as we open into this video. If only. That would be a, a huge step in the right direction, like you said, not all the way there, but that would certainly um, put him against the vast majority of abortions performed in Canada. Um, it would have, I mean, as many people know, obviously abortion is legal through all nine months of pregnancy, and that would nullify those um, abortions that happen through the last whatever... Um, several hundred days sort of thing of pregnancy, yes, we'd still have to work on those first two or three days prior to implantation. And yet um, we, we'd be a long way further. But like you said, it this is not what he actually believes. He doesn't actually think that you're a human who gets human rights at implantation. He backtracks on that fairly quickly here. Well, let's, uh, let's continue the video, Cam. Boom, next one here. But if you're gonna hold that as a standard, that is to say, if you're gonna say, mm -hmm. When an egg is fertilized, it's therefore all has the same rights as an individual. Then who are you going to sue? Whom are you going to sue? Whom are you going to imprison? Every woman who's had a fertilized egg pass through her. Every guy whose sperm has fertilized an egg and then it didn't become a human. Have all these people failed you? Uh, it's just a reflection of a deep scientific lack of understanding. And uh, you. You literally or you apparently literally don't know what you're talking about. Oh, Bill. Bill, Bill, Bill. Um, 
I mean, right, right from the hop there as again, differentiating humans from individuals sort of thing that, that sure they're a human, but if you're really going to count as an individual like you and I, this kind of language that we encounter time and time again on the street and, and this dehumanizing language, this isn't the first time obviously that, that we have dehumanized victims of human rights violations, obviously, right? We, we talk about how many countless times throughout history we have dehumanized other people, other demographics, other identified groups, that sort of thing, to justify the violence or killing that we're perpetrating towards them. Bill, you're on a dangerous, slippery slope. You are in um, cahoots. You are in a similar philosophical package as a lot of really, really dangerous ideas that have brought about the, the end of lives of um, millions and millions of human beings, as has been the case in abortion as well. This dehumanization has brought about the death of over 4 million tiny, precious human beings in the last 50 years since abortion was first legalized and opened up to Canada by the, the Trudeau government back in 1969. Um, this is dangerous language right from the get-go, right? Yeah, I, as you've mentioned, that dehumanization has happened throughout history and, and something that we try to get people to think about on the streets is the same thing. You know, people differentiate between a human and a person as well. Um, trying to find some arbit arbitrary point in the human's development uh, when they become persons, and when they become persons, then they are afforded the rights that uh, each and every person receives. So very, very dangerous ground. Cam, what what do you what do you what do you think when he says something like, "So whom are you going to imprison?" <laughs> you know, I have all these people failed you. You know, all these guys whose sperm fertilized an egg, um, but that new human being didn't go on to live. Are you going to imprison people? Are you you know? Does, does that guy fail you? Is he a failure in society? What, what do you what do you make of that? I think this is a classic straw man. Again, we we hear this constantly on the street. Um, this this supposed idea that all all pro lifers want out of this abortion debate is to be able to throw more people in prison, and and this is complete nonsense, right? Like, obviously, we we appreciate and and have a um, a spot for justice and whatnot. But our goal in making abortion unthinkable isn't so that we can load up prisons and retroactively throw a bunch of people in the slammer, that kind of thing. That's not our goal at all, right? Similar to like, we don't think that child abuse should be illegal because we desperately want to put more child abusers in prison and we desperately just want to clog up our system further and further. No, we, we want this for the protection of the victims. Um, we, we wish that people weren't doing this in the first place. This isn't our goal to get more people in prison. I think this is a classic straw man that, that people come up um, all the time with. And I think it's an important reminder that... Um, we want to make abortion unthinkable. Our primary goal is to make abortion unthinkable, to stop it from happening, to have society made up of, of individuals like you and I reject abortion as being an appropriate choice in any situation whatsoever. Laws are a means to the end. They're an important means to an end. They will certainly help and guide people towards making life-affirming decisions because a lot of people refer to the law as their moral compass. I'm sure that there's at least a few people out there who don't sexually assault the people they see because they're afraid of prison. But thankfully in society, we've educated um, a huge number of people, not enough people. Obviously, sexual assault still happens. But we don't put sexual assault legislation in place because we desperately want to load up our system because we have bored prison guards. We need to have somebody for them to work with. No, we do it for the protection of victims. And, and I think that that's what we need to focus on again when it comes to abortion, that we're not talking about people who have failed us. We're not talking about, um, oh, goody, goody, we've got more people that we can throw in prison now that we've passed these laws. Um, we desperately hope that we never have to imprison anybody. 
because we hope that we have sufficiently changed the cultural attitude towards abortion so that nobody wants to have an abortion in the first place, regardless of whether it's legal or otherwise. And then he finishes this little segment here by saying, you apparently, literally, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> now, from what, from my understanding, uh, Bill Nye has his Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering. It's a little distance from human biology. Would you say, Cam, you know, you've done you've done a biology degree. Uh, you spent a significant amount of time thinking about that and reading that, and you still have an interest in human biology today. Would you say you're more qualified to respond to or to have a conversation like this than than, than he would be? I I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn or pump my own tires or anything like that or whatever other idioms you want to talk about. But um, I I think that I mean Bill probably took um one entry level biology course. I'm sure that he's done some more informal learning, all that kind of stuff. And and realistically, we have to come back to the fact that he he would have learned everything that he needed to know about the abortion debate while he was in high school. And so the guy's obviously a smart guy, but I think that when we look at all of these PhDs that are somehow attributed to his name, we have to remember that all of these are honorary degrees from random universities that realistically just wanted the publicity stunt, right? They probably wanted him to come and speak at their convocation event or something like that. And the best way to get him there was to, to give him an honorary degree. We're talking about universities like um, John Hopkins and Rutgers and Lehigh and even Simon Fraser University in Canada have given this guy honorary um, PhDs in different fields and whatnot. And yet, at the end of the day, if we go back to the people who would have been um, contacted for that that survey, that study in um, episode two, Bill Nye wouldn't have gotten contacted for that. He's not a professional working in that field. He's not um, classically trained in embryology or biology or anything like that. He doesn't have those kind of credentials. And yeah, it, when, when push comes to shove, I've probably done more biology courses than he has on that area. And so I think that... While while we can't simply say, oh, Bill, stay in your lane, buddy, like only talk about um, engineering, I think that he does need to put in the time to realize that this isn't a political or philosophical conversation where he's trying to access it. He should be as the science guy, the guy who proclaims objective truths and the scientific method should be presenting objective biological information and allowing his audience to act on it as they will. And so... Um, the idea that we literally don't know what we're talking about um, or, or apparently literally don't know what we're talking about, I, I think is nonsense. It's a try. It's a, a cop out to try to end the debate. I mean, so many times we have people try to blow us off in conversation, right? And then we have people walk by and be like, oh, you guys are, are bonkers. You guys are nuts. You have no idea what you're talking about. You know what? Let's have a conversation. Let's have a, a dialogue about this and let's see who really needs to really think about this a little bit more deeply. I don't think that we get anywhere by name calling. I don't think that we get very far by um, dismissing the other side. We want to have a productive intellectual conversation about the facts. And once we've established the facts, then we decide how we should act upon them. Yeah, no, that's right. Let's, uh, let's continue the video, Cam. And so uh, uh, when it comes to women's rights with respect to their reproduction, I think you should leave it to women. It's really, uh, you cannot help but notice, and I'm not the first guy to observe this, you have a lot of men of European descent passing these extraordinary laws based on ignorance. I'm, I, sorry, you guys. I know it was written, or your interpretation of a book written 5,000 5, years ago, uh, 50 centuries ago, makes you think that when 
a man and a woman have sexual intercourse, they always have a baby. That's wrong. And so to pass laws based on that belief is inconsistent with nature. I mean, it's hard not to get frustrated with this, everybody. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Where to begin? There's a lot there. One of the things that uh, was that I was struck with when I was listening to this video, I listened to it several times, uh, as I'm sure you did as well, as we prepared for this episode, is we're not really listening to a coherent argument that kind of flows throughout the video with a bunch of premises that comes to a logical conclusion at the end. We we have a lot of different things just packed in here, kind of you know thrown around. So, all right, we when we're talking about women's rights, we're talking about leaving it to women. Yeah, so we, we've already made the jump. We've made the jump from this um, pro-lifers are somehow not knowledgeable about the science, and now we're making the jump to this should be left up to women. So originally we were talking out the side of our mouth saying this should be left up to science and you are scientifically wrong. Now we're switching to a more political take on this should be left up to women. And I mean, as we've covered, we, we love women. Uh, we, we honor, we respect, we have a, a ton of incredible women that work with us that that each of us are married to that not that we have a ton of women that we're married to um <laughs> we, we're both married to wonderful women that sort of thing but this notion of this is an important not only scientific question as to when human life begins but important uh, moral question as to how we should respond to those facts should be left up to women i think is really not a very good precedent to set right that that yes you and i as we've covered in other episodes are not personally going to become pregnant. But the fact that we're not going to be victims of a particular injustice doesn't mean that we're not allowed to advocate for the victims of that injustice. We can look at the science, anybody can look at the science, and anybody can understand. Again, like we've said countless times, I'm sure already, I, I don't know who's doing the drinking game counting how many times we've talked about um, human life beginning in fertilization, but obviously this is an important point. Um, Anybody can look at that and say, okay, well, if they're human, then when should human rights begin? It's not just women who should be deciding when a human gets human rights, just like it's not just a government who decides who should and who shouldn't get human rights. This is something that should be actively discussed and actively engaged upon by all members of society because to to quote Ronald Reagan, of all people, that, that funny quote that, that we see time and time again, it, it's interesting that everybody who advocates in favor of abortion is already born. Or I know that's a paraphrase sort of thing, but you need to recognize that we all have an appropriate voice in this because anybody can advocate for the victims of injustice. You, you mentioned Ronald Reagan, Cam, but it's kind of disappointing. He's just one of those men of European descent as well. Uh, it, it seems disingenuous to me, though, to say in one breath, leave it to women to decide and then support. Uh, laws like, not laws, Supreme Court decisions like Roe versus Wade, where uh, six of the seven justices who voted in favor of Roe versus Wade were men of European descent. So which men of European descent are we going to listen to? Are they, are they the ones that support our position? Are they the ones that don't support our position? Or are we going to listen to the facts um, and, and disregard where someone comes from, what, what their descent is, who their parents are, and what they look like. Exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, like we've talked about, we should be coming back to science and, and objective reasoning um, based on that science. As we talked about, I believe, um, last week, may, may have been one of the previous episodes beyond that, that, um, again, regardless of, of who our parents are, um, 
it, like you said, it, it comes down to, are you somebody who agrees with me? And if you don't agree with me, what can I kind of, kind of focus on that, that tries to delegitimize your opinion sort of thing. And so I, I don't think that this is worth spending a ton of time on because most people should understand this, that, that Jim's work was one of those men of European descent who fought bravely to defend the rights and, and, um, ensure the rights of um, his black neighbors sort of thing, right? That, that we need to defend the weak and vulnerable regardless of our parentage and descent. That's right. And then we get to my favorite part uh, of this video, uh, Bill Nye disregarding scripture because apparently scripture says that every single time two people have intercourse, a brand new human being is created. Cam, you, you're a Christian. You've been in a Christian family your entire life. I'm a Christian. I've been in my, I've been in a Christian family my entire life. Were you taught this? Is this something that you grew up believing? You know, every single time uh, a human has, uh, two, two people have intercourse, a, a new baby is formed. That's what you learned in, uh, in, in grade eight health class or whatever it was. No, no. Like, I mean, and, and I think that that last line from you, whether it was a slip of the tongue, like, yeah, they might've tried to convey this in health class of like that classic mean girls quote of if you get, um, if you have sex, you will get pregnant and you will die sort of thing. Like, no, that might get peddled by our society um, to discourage pregnancy, but no, there's not a single Sunday school that's going to try to teach that every single time two people have intercourse, there's going to be a baby, right? Like, you look about the incredibly prominent members of uh, of the Christian tradition, right? You look at Abraham and Sarah, you look at Zechariah, um, you look at countless others that were having intercourse that wanted to have babies, but didn't, right? And, and so the, this idea is just straight nonsense. It, it's a jab at Christians and... I mean, more and more in society, we're seeing people try to use Christians as as punching bags because we're easy targets because, uh, I mean, society or whatever has allowed it. Um, there's something to be said for turning the other cheek, but there's something to be said for correcting the nonsense that this is somehow peddled as a Christian doctrine sort of thing. No, no chance. There, there's no Christian that's going to try to proclaim this as being um, biblically founded that every time you have intercourse, you're going to have a baby. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. I, I am thinking, though, of, of what Scripture does highlight about uh, young human beings in the womb. Scripture certainly isn't a biology textbook, as some of the biology textbooks that we read today. But I'm just thinking about that interaction that Mary, the mother of Jesus, had with um, Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, when Mary came and visited. And, and Elizabeth said, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy and and this leaping for joy maybe we haven't seen an ultrasound where a baby leaped for joy but we certainly have seen an ultrasound where they've moved these babies have moved around they've you know been kicking perhaps or whatever uh, most certainly alive something that scripture recognizes as well yeah and and this is something that i think is so beautiful about the christian faith that while like you said it's not intended to be a biology textbook it dovetails and affirms and recognizes that biology, whether it's, like you said, in, in Luke chapter 1 or what we see in, in Psalm 139 or Jeremiah, um, countless places, that this biological truth is affirmed throughout Scripture. And, and I know there's a ton of podcasts out there that talk about how beautifully harmonized um, science and religion truly are, that kind of thing. We're probably not going to get too much into that. We'll, we'll certainly launch of other podcasts that, that you can dive into for that. But yeah, I think it's beautiful that time and again, Scripture affirms this um, this fact that human life is present in the womb. Um, 
and and this is something that we've known for a very long time and and um i i gotta say to to go down a bit of a rabbit hole when when you said leaping in the mother's womb that we don't see that very often i remember how much i don't remember if you saw the the super bowl commercial um from doritos they <laughs> yeah, got so right. much trouble for that child leaping in the mother's womb because of the um the presence of the dorito and how much fire they came under to oh my goodness you're humanizing the preborn child and yet this is just a reality that that has been affirmed throughout history, regardless of whether it was a 50 century old text that we are trying to interpret in, in present day. Um, this, this is something that has been known for a very long time and that we are, whether you want to call it overthinking or whether you want to call it simply trying to justify a political or social behavior um, by changing the way we look at objective facts. That That's what we're getting to. And and so it's ironic that, that Bill Nye gets frustrated, right? That, oh, it's hard not to get frustrated because, yeah, it is frustrating. I, I mean, when you and I reflect on the work that we have to do, we have a very basic job, right? We have the job to convince people not to want to kill the weakest, most vulnerable members of society, right? Like we're, we're not trying to teach algebra. We're not trying to sell life insurance policies that people have a hard time connecting with and all that kind of stuff. We are literally trying to talk to people on the street about, hey, so uh, it's, it's not actually good to kill intentionally a human being. And how frustrating it is to, to have so much opposition to that, to be considered a radical for holding that view, right? It, it's literally frustrating sometimes on our end to respond time and time again to justifications for why people should be allowed to directly and intentionally kill a human being. Yeah, no, that's right. Let's uh, let's continue the clip, Cam. Uh, and I know it, nobody likes abortion, okay? But you can't tell somebody what to do. I mean, she has rights over this, especially if she doesn't like the guy that got her pregnant. Uh, she doesn't want anything to do with your genes. Get over it, especially if she were raped and all this. So nobody likes abortion. I, I have to say, you know, I've been doing this since 2014. You've been doing this since, what was it, 2010, Cam? 2009 is my first contact with CCR. Okay. Yeah, so so when I started, I, I often heard people say things like, no one likes abortion a lot more than I do now, I feel like. I, the The slogan... Um, you know, we want abortion to be safe, legal, and rare uh, was something that was a lot more prominent in pro-choice uh, rallies and, and things like that than it is today. Well, what do you think? Is that your vibe as well? That, that, that's totally the, the gist that I get. That, that certainly on the human level, talking to people on the street, we, we meet a lot of people who say, hey, you know what, I didn't want to have an abortion, but I felt like it was my only option. We still have a lot of people that don't want to have abortions themselves or, or look at this as a a last or de desperate option. But like you said, on an institutionalized level, um, it seems like there's a lot of people who really like abortion, who are really obsessed with abortions. And and that happens both in Canada and south of the border and around the world, right? Yeah, no, that's right. So you mentioned Canada. I'm thinking of our own prime minister when he took power and, and when he was, well, maybe not took power yet, but when he was the leader of the Liberal Party uh, vying for the, the spot of prime minister, one of the, the rules that he had in his party was that all of his members, all the mem members that were going to be under the liberal tent, uh, the liberal umbrella, had to be pro-choice. Um, so whatever bill came up, um, if there was a pro-life or pro-choice side to, to the bill, they had to vote pro-choice every single time or there would be consequences 
for not doing so. I'm also thinking of, uh, what was it, 2017 when he sent over $650 million of our tax dollars uh, to fund overseas abortions. Just, you know, he wants to make sure that abortion is completely, completely legal here in Canada, but also that other countries around the world who don't have access to abortion quite like we do uh, get that access by uh, the funding of Canadian taxpayers. And then you mentioned south of the border. You know, the, the Democrats right now, really many of them are, are showing their unyielding support for abortion. And many of them up until the moment of birth. That, that really uh, defies not only science, but even common sense and reason. Just thinking about an ultrasound, thinking about, you know, what is a preborn child 25 minutes before they're born? What is a preborn child halfway out of the mother's birth canal? I, I mean... You know, these are questions, very, very simple questions that if anyone asks, you know, there are very clear answers of who the preborn are. You know, they're the very same, just 25 minutes younger. And yet many of them are supporting abortion up until these very, very, very late stages. So for, for them to say something like nobody likes abortion, but we need to make sure that abortion is legal throughout all nine months of pregnancy for any reason or for no reason at all. Uh, and then we're, we're going to make sure that we're funding abortion in other countries where abortion access is restricted or limited or, or not so much like what we have in, in our own country. It's a little bit disingenuous. I, I mean, you, you really like abortion if you're going to make that a big party platform, big party plank and push it as much as you do. Oh, totally. And and I think that that gets into the the next statement that he's that he says that that she has rights over this. And I think that this is this completely disingenuous and mis understood disconnected notion of somehow abortion empowering women that you know what if if we want to empower women nationwide um then then we got to do this and and i think that again we're we're getting further and further away from the biology that we talked about before that uh women have rights and they should be allowed to do whatever they want and if they don't want the the father's genes and um kind of continue on that (laughs) that line of of um descendants then then she has power to end that i think that again that's a a super dangerous and and yes um sometimes biological parents are not very good parents especially like he mentioned in, in situations of sexual assault and yes we need to do more to support that that mother support that woman regardless of whether she becomes pregnant or not but especially if she does become pregnant helping her navigate the hurdles that come up through that pregnancy, um, doing more to punish that guilty rapist. Um, but at the end of the day, how do hard circumstances change the livelihood, the humanity of that preborn child and whether or not they should get human rights? Obviously, um, we can talk about whether or not we can use our bodies or make decisions about our bodies to harm other people. This mother doesn't have absolute control over what she does to her body because she can't use her body to harm born children. Um, even if those born children um, remind her of a traumatic experience, even if those born children um, are incredibly frustrating and annoying or whatever you want to call them, um, we we need to understand that this is not um, female empowerment to say that you're allowed to kill a preborn child. We need to do more. We need to actually empower mothers, actually empower women and not say, oh, if, if you want to get ahead in society, then then I guess that um, the main way that you're going to be able to do that, or at least a part of the way that you're able to do that, is by being allowed to kill your preborn child. Yeah, that actually reminds me of an, an analogy that we use on the streets. I, I'm just thinking about a conversation I had with a high school student um, some time ago, and 
we're talking about the same thing. Should women have rights uh, to do this or not? And trying to have gain an understanding of who the preborn are and what abortion does to them. So one of the questions I asked was, hey, man, like, what do you think about me just like boxing the air? Do you think I should be allowed to, to punch the air, to box the air, to make all these movements, swing my arms around, you know, just just by myself here? And he's like, yeah, of course, of course, you're allowed to do that. You're, you have rights to do that. If you want to do that, that's your choice. And then I said, okay, so, but what if you're standing in front of me and a bunch of your friends are here as well? And while I'm boxing the air, I, I turn a little bit and punch you in the face and your friend in the gut and kind of slap you guys around. Should I be allowed to do something like that? And he's like, no, 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 of course not. And I was like, why not? And he said, well, because when you're doing that, you're using, you know, your, your actions and, and all of that to hurt someone else. You know, you're violating my space. You're violating my rights not to get hurt or punched or anything like that. And I said, yeah, absolutely. So we, you and I would agree that women should have choices, um, that they, they should be allowed to, to do what they, what they want with their body, as it were. But when we're talking about abortion, what we're talking about, you know, we're not just talking about one human being anymore. We're talking about two. And so do you ever think, you know, you agree when it comes to punching that I should never have the choice to do what injures or harms you. So why do you think a mother should be allowed to have the choice to do something that not just injures or harms, but ends the life of the young child that is residing in her womb at this moment. 100%. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, I, I think that this is something that we can use on on the street corners or in any conversation that you're having with um, somebody about the issue of abortion to really illuminate the principle of whether or not we can or can't use our bodies to make decisions about our bodies to harm other people. Yeah. Let's dive into the next one, right? Yeah, for sure. Boom. So uh, it's very frustrating on the, on the outside, on the other side. Uh, we have so many more important things to be dealing with. We have so many more problems to squander resources on this argument based on bad science, on just lack of understanding. It's very frustrating. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on this. You know, there, there are so many more important things to, to deal with, more important problems. We all recognize that abortion is not the only thing that uh, is wrong with this world. We recognize that whether it be locally or whether it be globally, there are many, many issues that humanity faces, uh, you know, individuals face, communities face. And as humans, you know, we I, I think of what Jesus said to whom much is given, much will be required. Uh, we have a responsibility in, in many ways to do what we can to ease the burden of others. Um, which is precisely why we do what we do, Cam, uh, working in the pro-life movement, trying to not only ease the burden, but save the lives of young children. And so a, a question that we really need to ask is, you know, should we defend the vulnerable? And if so, which I think all of us would agree with, let's figure out who the vulnerable are. Uh, and according to what we've been talking about already, according to what uh, human biology says on when human life begins and, and our realization of what abortion is, some of the most vulnerable here in Canada, perhaps the most vulnerable here in Canada and the United States and perhaps around the world are preborn children. Uh, there's a stat somewhere, I can't remember where it was, but something like one in five or one in four pregnancies here in Canada end in abortion. That's a staggering statistic. I think about New York, seven out of ten uh, is a, a stat I read several uh, several months ago. Pregnancies end in abortion. And so if we recognize that Human life begins at fertilization. We have a massive injustice on our hands. Uh, a very important problem to deal with uh, using the words of Bill Nye. Exactly. And then we got to deal with it, right? Like we, we do have to deal with this. This isn't something that pro-lifers are dragging our feet on unnecessarily. This is something that can and should be resolved real quickly. 
right? We, we don't have debates over whether or not we should be allowed to kill born children to solve problems. We just get busy with trying to um, resolve the hard circumstances that born children are faced with. Why can't we take the same approach for, for pre-born children? Why can't we stop defending something that is very obviously a human rights violation, get down to um, the dirty work of actually figuring out how we support these mothers instead of saying, oh, okay, well, we, we, it would be a lot easier, a lot more convenient if we could just end the life of that child and not have to figure out this other stuff. We could, we could start dealing with some of these other problems if we just recognized that if you're human, we shouldn't be allowed to kill you. Yeah, no, that's right. Let's, uh, let's continue on, Kim, with this video. Boom. You wouldn't know how big a human egg was if it weren't for microscopes, if it weren't for scientists who are medical researchers looking diligently. You wouldn't know the process. You wouldn't have that shot, the famous shot or shots where the sperm are bumping up against the egg. You wouldn't have that without science. So then to claim that you know the next step when you obviously don't is trouble. When you, okay, let me do that again. Let me just go back. At some point, we have to respect the facts. We most certainly do. Bill, I couldn't have said it any better myself. We, we do have to respect the facts and we can use science as a tool to learn those facts. I love working with microscopes. I literally have a microscope in my office as a reminder of my, my background in biology. I did a research project that used a several, several million dollar microscope at the University of Victoria. I love microscopes and what they can do. And science is great. We've talked about this, that it does not contradict the pro-life position. The pro-life worldview is actually the consistent one with biology. Science is great. Please don't throw out your microscopes. Microscopes are great. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about those photos. I'm thinking about those photos as well. Like we have some of these books at the office here, um, you know, that 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 show the the various stages of human development within the womb. It is pretty phenomenal. Uh, and I think what what's underlying what Bill's saying here is that Christians um, or or pro-lifers more broadly, perhaps. Uh, just not only reject certain uh, tenets of of science, but just re reject all science. Uh, reject uh, the you know the tools that scientists use and all of that. But yeah, like you mentioned, most certainly not. Uh, I don't have a a uh, uh, I don't have a microscope behind me to give me some cred, but uh, I do appreciate them as as much as I can. I'm not a huge scientist myself, not not quite like you, Cam. Uh, but to say that we reject science and uh, it's it's time for us to accept the facts while denying the facts of, of what scientists actually say uh, when human life begins uh, doesn't seem to, to fit well together. But let, let's continue on here, Cam. One last thing I'll say on that, actually, before I dive into the next one, that's, again, to go back to the value of the images. That's why we show the images, right? That, that we have used technology and science to demonstrate the humanity of preborn children. By showing the victims of abortion, we are showing our evidence. The statement, abortion kills an innocent human being, is backed up by the evidence of that picture. And so I'll just leave it with that as we dive into the next. Recommending or insisting on abstinence has been completely ineffective. Just being objective here. Uh, closing abortion clinics, closing, uh, not getting, giving women access to birth control has not been an effective way to lead to healthier societies. This, I mean, I think we all know that. And I understand that you have deeply held beliefs and you want to, and it really is ultimately out of respect for people, in this case, your perception of unborn people. I understand that. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say that we're probably going to do an entire episode at least on this notion of, first of all, abstinence not working. And second of all, the notion that 
Um, abortion clinics are great because of birth canal, um, birth control, not birth canals, uh, birth control. <laughs> um, and so, Peter, I don't know if there's anything specific that we need to get out of the way on this one, but I, I think that we are going to hit on this for a full episode because this is something that we hear about so frequently on the street, right? That closing abortion clinics are just going to push people towards other abortion clinics. It's going to stop access to birth control, that kind of thing. The stats tell a very different story, but I don't want to spoil too much for a future episode that we got coming up. That's right. I, I think you can see uh, some of the problems with that. And, and uh, I am looking forward to having this that episode, um, really diving into it more. He, he mentions, you know, recommending abstinence has been ineffective. I don't remember a time, and I'm not that old, but uh, even looking throughout history um, where the government recommended abstinence. I don't know if that's a thing. You know, the, the church certainly did um, as a mode of not getting pregnant. And I think it's quite effective in, in making sure you don't get pregnant. Um, you know, it's, it's something that a lot of people don't don't think is something that's really uh, beneficial for their own life or something that you can recommend. It's just something that they can't even, can't even fathom uh, as a possibility for living outside of marriage. But yeah, in terms of not having children, Abstinence is a phenomenal way to, uh, to do that. Totally. And it, it makes me think, I, I can't remember, you can correct me on who it was that said it. And I'll paraphrase this again. It was either Lewis or Chesterton. I mean, it's a quote about Christianity, um, but I think that it can apply as well towards abstinence, that Christianity has not been tried and found wanting, but rather found difficult and left untried sort of right. thing. The same thing goes for abstinence, right? That, that it's not a matter of abstinence doesn't work. It's a matter of abstinence can be hard. And... People, especially in today's day and age, are not super interested in doing hard things. Um, absence may be one of those hard things for you, but it's worth it because you look at the collateral damage that comes through the sexual revolution and abortion. It is staggering how large the heap of preborn children's corpses are that have followed us as a nation. No, I remember. So just just a, a little rabbit trail here. I remember uh, when I was working in construction on the top of a roof and I was having a conversation with another guy. And he, he was, you know, he, he talked about it, whatever he wanted to talk about. So, but when he, when I told him that my fiance at the time and I had not had sex before, if it wasn't for the harnesses that were holding us up, he probably would have fell right down, uh, <laughs> lost all control. He could not believe that that was something that people actually do. I mean, he thought people in the 18th century did that quite often, but the fact that that was still happening in the 21st century, uh, good thing for those harnesses, let's say. But uh, so Bill Nye, right at the end of this, mentions... Um, our perception of unborn people, um, unborn people. I mean, this is this is who we're talking about. One of the things that I think about when when I hear the term unborn is, you know, we're talking about a location. I, I mean, there's a there's there's something that happens at a certain point in a person's life, which we call birth. It's a change from one environment to another, uh, from one location to another. And so, when you call someone unborn, you're basically recognizing that they do exist, but you're showing what stage in, in development they're in and where precisely they're located. Exactly. And and I think that that really shows his hand there, that, that this is an acknowledgement that these are people um, and that um, they should have some kind of consideration. Like you said, there's a directionality in this, uh, a reference to an important point. I, I applaud, I, I believe, Stephanie Gray, um, co-founder and great mentor of mine, co-founder, not co-founder of me, co-founder of CCBR, a great mentor of mine, uh, with the transition from unborn to preborn and how in the pro-life movement we can use the terminology of preborn um, because again it has that reference to birth in the the event that's coming up um, but also a more directional more vector style um, not born yet rather than just simply not born 
Right. Well, let's let's continue on. The video's almost done, so let's hear what Bill Nyasa say to conclude this. Home stretch, guys. Um, hang with us. We're getting there. But I really encourage you to look at the facts. And I know people are now critical of the expression fact-based. Well, what's wrong with that? <laughs> so I just really encourage you to not tell women what to do and not pursue these laws that really are in nobody's best interest. Really be objective about this. We have other problems to solve, everybody. Again, we, we got the, the two different angles. Uh, let's, let's look about the facts, and then don't worry about the facts. Just leave it up to women. I mean, what, what do you want us to do, first of all? Um, again, we, we hear this constantly on the street. I, I hear this uh, whenever I'm out doing choice. I had a conversation with a guy a couple of weeks ago at Chinook Mall in Calgary, um, this idea of somehow pro-lifers being ignorant of the facts. And, and yet again, we're, we're relying on them constantly. We're relying on them regularly. And we really want to echo the words, at least, of Bill Nye. Rely on the facts. Look That's at right. when does human life begin? A, a great website. Maybe we can throw it in the description ehd.org endowment for human development.org um, shows a ton of stuff about um, prenatal development the incredible advances that we have in technology to be able to observe that and it's worth knowing how incredibly developed a preborn child is very very early on in pregnancy very very easy to recognize the humanity of the preborn um, in a very simple visual kind of way that, that yes, they may not, you may not be able to discern the difference between a, a human zygote and a dog zygote or a cat zygote. Sure. Um, that's why we have genetics. That's why we have those really cool microscopes that, that Bill Nye was talking about. Um, but it, it's amazing how early on you can see the beautiful development, the, the really humanizing features of that preborn child. Yeah. So final Final little bit of this video. Let's hear how Bill Nye wants to wrap this up. Come on. Come on. Let's work together. Yeah, we agree. I mean, we agree with him when it comes to looking at the facts. We agree with him when it comes to being objective in this conversation. And we agree that we should work together as we look together at the facts and as we look together and, and try to be as objective as possible to work towards the, the ending of the injustice of abortion. 100%. And, and that's the message that we really want to convey while we're doing activism, right? That, that this isn't an adversarial me versus you. We talk a lot about the common ground that we're trying to build with people. We talk a lot about the hard apologetics because we really need to work together with people. We're not going to beat them into submission. We're not going to thump them over the head with biology textbooks, let alone Bibles. Um, we need to work together. And so... If you're having conversations, and we're going to get into this again in future episodes, I know that I've alluded to lots of future episodes that we're going to have, but guess what? We're going to be doing this for a long time. We're going to talk about a lot of ways that you can build rapport in your conversation so that you can work together. Because as I'm sure that you've experienced, Peter, I've experienced it countless times, people don't necessarily want to start working together because of a stereotype that's been built up around pro-lifers, a stereotype that um, has been built up around pro-abortion supporters, that we desperately need to work together because if we don't, it's not you and I that lose out, right? It's not you and I who are negatively impacted by a failure to work together. It's preborn children. Every day that we don't find solutions together with um, those who have um, been undecided or those who actively support abortion, every day that we don't have the conversations, every day that we're not working together with them, more preborn children are dying. 
And so as, as much as the intellectual burden of proof lies on the abortion advocate, the um, social burden of engagement lies on you and I, on all of our listeners, on all those who claim the name pro-life, that we are, need to be compelled towards action, right? Yeah, no, that, that's, that's absolutely right. And, and when it comes to doing activism on the streets and having these conversations, there's a lot of questions that this video leaves unanswered, that this uh, conversation or that this short clip that Bill and I uh, made, it, it leaves unanswered. And they're good questions that we ought to ask when we're on the streets, clarifying questions. One of them would be, when does life begin? I, this isn't something that Bill and I talked about. He, he mentioned most certainly isn't fertilization um, or anything like that. But he doesn't mention when it is. Does he think human life begins at birth? Does he think human life begins at uh, the moment when we can detect a heartbeat or when the, the left foot starts moving for the first time? I mean, when does human life begin? If we're talking about life or death, this is an extremely important question for us to ask. And then when we understand you know, when human life begins, one of the questions we could ask him is, are all abortions okay? Or would you stop abortions at a certain point in pregnancy? So would you stop abortions when you believe human life begins? Do you still think it's legal up to up until birth? Uh, do you think the three-month mark is the, the time when abortion should be illegal or anything like that? So at, at what point would Bill Nye say, okay, so this is when I think a law would be a good law um, at, at this particular stage in pregnancy? And then another question could be, do you agree with the human right to life for all human beings or just some? I mean, this is a variation of the human rights argument that we've mentioned before, one of the key questions in there. And, and then a, a follow-up question, if you only agree with human, life, uh, human rights for some human beings, wh why would you not give them rights? Is it because of something that has to do with their size or perhaps their level of development or their environment, the fact that they're not outside in the world uh, as you and I are but are living within their mother's womb? Uh, could it be their degree of dependency, how dependent they are on their mother? If they're human beings and we're not going to give them the right to life, why is that? You know, what is the arbitrary standard that you hold? Uh, what is the, the, the arbitrary stage of development that you think uh, we should be getting human human rights? And, and just prior to that, we shouldn't be. It, how do you uh, take the take? What are some of the takeaways that you have from this video, Cam? And, uh, you know, what are the, the questions that it leaves you or, or how do you how, how are you reflecting on it, as it were? I think that it really speaks to the need for conversation, right? That I, I, I really listen to this video clip and see just how disconnected a lot of these thoughts are. And, and that's something that I've seen time and time again in society, that, that people have got a couple of phrases, a couple of slogans or whatever that they're referring to, and, and they're hoping that that can get them all the way through the conversation. And yet, I think that this video, especially, and many of the conversations that we've had have just demonstrated the importance of having a good, thorough conversation. And to just build one, one point on top of what you were saying about people picking an arbitrary level of development or an arbitrary size or environment or degree of dependency, one thing that I think that we do very frequently at CCBR is simply ask the question, why? Why hasn't a human being reached that level of development. If you're saying that you don't get rights until um, you have a, a conscious mind, if you're saying you don't get rights until you're independent, if you're saying you don't get conscious rights or uh, human rights until you're born, why hasn't a preborn child achieved that stage of development or size or whatever? It's because of how old they are. We need to draw this conversation back and back again to the philosophical concept 
of abortion being age-based discrimination. Because why doesn't an eight-week-old human embryo have a fully rational brain? Because they haven't had enough time to develop that. They're not old enough to have that. For the same reason that a a four-year-old can't reproduce. They're not old enough to have gone through puberty. We're not going to discriminate human rights based on age after we're born. And so why are we willing to discriminate um, human rights based on age before we're born? There's a lot of stuff. I know that this can seem intimidating and overwhelming for a lot of people. And yet at the end of the day, I think we, we can really tie this into three key concepts. Um, that ambassador model style of common ground analogy question, meeting people where they're at and directing the conversation towards the humanity of the preborn. Part two of our conversation is focused on those human rights um, questions. Part three is focused on the personhood and the age-based discrimination that is um, directed towards preborn children. I know there's a lot of analogies. I know there's a lot of information, but I think that if you focus on those three core concepts, you can take your conversational confidence, but also competence to the whole nother level if you focus on those three core areas. Yeah, I, I don't know about uh, you, Cam, but I listen to a lot of podcasts and there are moments when I'm like, wow, that was so good. And I like go back five minutes so I can listen to it again. I think for this episode, that was that was a key moment, just uh, what you just mentioned, mentioned. So if you're listening uh, and you really want to get this down, uh, this is the time to to go back a few minutes and listen to what Cam mentioned once again. Well, this uh, is an analysis, as you know, of a video by Bill Nye. We're going to link the video in the description so you can check it out yourself and uh, and see what he has to say. Um, you know, watch watch the whole video completely unclipped. Thank you so much for joining us. As you know, we are two guys who are passionate about ending the killing of preborn children in Canada. And this is a podcast dedicated to giving you the tools you need to change minds and save lives from abortion. Just a few shout outs right now. Really want to give a big shout out to the Vancouver Initiative that we have here at CCBR doing phenomenal work in Vancouver and the surrounding area. We have Vanessa, we have Kana, we have Michael and the wonderful volunteers who are out on the streets on the regular having conversations, changing hearts, and uh, and seeing minds change on abortion. So very thankful for them. If you want to support the Vancouver Initiative and all the work that they're doing, let us know. Reach out to us or go to endthekilling.ca at CCBR's website, and you can learn a little bit more there. A big shout-out to Kyle as well, who commented on one of our episodes, said, listen to the interview with Alyssa. Uh, that was episode five. He didn't say that was episode five, but I'm just letting you know that that's episode five. Listen to the interview with Alyssa. Love the questions and the guest. This podcast just keeps getting better. Kyle, thank you so much, my friend. Uh, It's very encouraging for us to hear that, and it really helps us continue on and motivates us. So uh, one, one final point, if you would like to know who this episode is brought to you by, here it is. Today's episode is brought to you by our wonderful friends at Purpose Realty. Okay, who is Purpose Realty? Let me let me let me tell you. Purpose Realty is a Canada-wide real estate business that gives a minimum of 50% of net profits. That's right. I did not stumble there. Not 1515. No, 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 no. 50 50% of net profits to nonprofit work. So what this means is when you sell or buy sell your house or, or buy a new home with them and mention CCBR, the proceeds will go towards our life-saving work. This means that you can use your home purchase or sale to save lives. How awesome is that? 
If you want more information, you can email them at info at purposerealty.ca or check out their website, www.purposerealty.ca. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Peter. That's Cam, the co-host. The wonder of the show, really. I I love doing this with you, Cam. (laughs) We hope you've been enjoying this. Let us know. We've been hearing some pretty great feedback from some of you, and we're extremely thankful about that. So don't be shy. Uh, Let us know what you think, whether that be on Facebook or on Instagram. On Instagram, we are at ProLifeGuys. You can search The ProLifeGuys on Facebook. You can go to our website, www.prolifeguys.com. Anywhere else? Uh, how else can you reach us? Um, that's that's probably it. Let us know. There's a contact form on the website. Check out the website. It's pretty cool. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so that you can be notified every time a new episode comes out and you can listen to the Pro-Life Guys and be equipped to be a better pro-life ambassador. Thank you, everyone, and we hope you have a great week. Bill, Bill, Bill Nye, the science guy. Bill, 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 T minus seven seconds. Bill, 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 Bill Nye, the science guy.